you're gonna mess my count up. You know you're not allowed to do that. I, only I was actually counting with real numbers this time. I know you weren't making them up and using like more than 20. I don't have that many fingers and toes. So Hey, are you crazy sci-fi and fantasy fans? It's time for your daily dose of shenanigans over here at the Blasters and Blades podcast. Just three nerdy veterans geeking out over our science fiction passions and fantastical fantasies. A place where magic is king, the sky is the limit, and space is the place where we put the fun in dysfunction. So without further ado, we're going to let our guests introduce themselves. First, uh, Mr. Charles C.C. Akeke, can you please introduce yourselves to our listeners and viewers? Hello. Uh, as you said, my name is C.C. KK. Um, I am the author of the Star Brigade series and the Pantheon Saga. Uh, one is space opera, the other is superhero fiction. Okay, and uh, Abby, can you introduce yourself to our listening and viewing audience? Yeah, hi everyone. My name is Abby Ekenezer. Um, I'm actually also a veteran <laughs> um, with the Navy. Go Navy! Um, I am a screenwriter, currently writing a, an anthology series dedicated to Octavia Butler. Um, I've also written a horror fantasy called um, The Haunting of or Orchard House. Um, and I also have a number of other uh, short stories slash novellas coming out in 2022. All right. So the next part of the introduction, dear listeners, how we first met them. So I actually met uh, Cece in Vegas in 2018 at the 20 Books to 50K author conference. He was a fun guy. So we stayed in touch. And when we started our last podcast, he was one of our first guests. And now that we're rebranded, we're happy to have him back. And we do plan on scheduling with him. It's just been chaotic trying to get around all of our work schedules to have him back uh, again for a solo interview. Uh, and I met Absolutely. Abby because Doc said she's coming on today. And I was like, oh, okay, thanks for telling me five minutes before the show. So sorry, Abby, but I'm sure you're awesome. Well, okay, so I met Abby. I met, I met Charles through JR. And I met Abby through Drunken Escapades at Dragon Con. Nice. That's where you meet all the best people, I'm told. I mean, wouldn't you say that was an accurate statement, Abby? Yeah, I think that's usually how that works, you know? <laughs> So, you know, uh, definitely. <laughs> All right. So we are going to be having a fireside chat today and a little bit later, we'll get doc to introduce it, but we couldn't be the blasters and blades podcast without the religion question. So doc, bring it home. Okay. So star Wars, star Trek or firefly. Oh no, sorry. No, it's not firefly today. It's Battlestar Galactica. We're making it harder on Abby because I already know her answer. So which one is it going to be? <laughs> Uh, well, it's it's always going to be Doctor Who, um, <laughs> and I don't know if I'm allowed to choose. <laughs> I'm I'm sorry, I don't know if I'm allowed to choose Star Wars or Star Trek because I love both. But uh, uh, I think it'll be safer to say it's Doctor Who for sure. <laughs> Doctor Who it is then. So how about you? Of the box. How about you, Charles? Um. If this was probably before 2015, I'd say Star Wars. Um, probably now, I'm going to go off book like Abby and probably say Firefly and Battlestar Galactica. That well, is I mean, There are a Sorry. pantheon of religions and none of them are the wrong answer. We're just having fun. So you can, you mm -hmm. can go off book. <laughs> so. All right. So. We will definitely have to have all both of you back for solo interviews about what you're working on now. But today, Duck... If I don't cut her off again. 
Yes. So we also have the polytheistic question of fantasy, Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings, or the Wheel of Time. Charles, you get to go first this time. Thank you. Um, I would say Game of Thrones, the book series, and then seasons one through six. Fair answer. Okay. That's very specific. Oh my god. <laughs> um, you know, I think I would go with Lord of the Rings still, um, especially now that they're doing the Samarillion. Um, I'm kind of excited to see what the Amazon show will actually produce, especially since um, I got to be one of the liaisons in talking about um, diversity on the show. What? That is awesome. So that's awesome. She's been holding that under her hat for a while. I'm just telling you because I talked to her a lot and she's never mentioned it. Well, apparently she knows how OPSEC works. So now my understanding (laughs) is they didn't actually get they didn't actually get the rights to the Samaritan. No, 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 no. That that it was the um, what was it? The The appendices, wasn't it? Yeah, it was the appendices. I think. Yeah. Yeah, they started. They started, but um, there were just. So many issues with filming along with um, the pandemic and everything. And so, you know what happens in film? Things change all the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. But I think the rights. It's really exciting to see what they're going to yeah. do. I think the rights are going to be up soon. I don't know if they're up now, but they're going to be up soon. So, I wouldn't be surprised if there's going to be a bidding war between whatever they are, Discovery, Warner Media, whatever the entity is, and Amazon. So it should be interesting to see how that goes. Absolutely. All right, Doc, mm-hmm. you look excited. Are you ready to dive into this topic? I'm always excited to talk to Abby and Charles. They're amazing people. Come on. <laughs> so, I mean, yes, Abby was in the Navy, but we'll forgive mistakes of her youth. So. <laughs> Excuse me? Go Army, beat Navy. What? Did I say that loud? <laughs> what? If, That's if not makes, even a thing anymore. <laughs> if it makes you feel better, Abby, I can go with the other one. Sail Army, because I uh, I was a bosun's mate for the Army and for a little bit before they said welcome to the infantry. Oh, my God. Do you Jerry, say? They're, they're ganging up on me. They're ganging up on Abby. Yeah, no, no, actually, no. JR's just had a very confused identity in his life. So my dad's, uh, my stepdad spent 23 years in the Navy. I failed that so hard. <laughs> so as an engine man for 23 years, so I enlisted in the Army as a bosun's mate to add, you know, rub some salt in the wound. But unfortunately, when you shoot really well and you're a male, they're like, welcome to the infantry, son. So I never actually drove the boats they trained me for. I just got the bonus and, and signed up. So our topic. I mean, I think that's usually how it works, right? You never do the job that you sign up for. <laughs> never. Unless so, they, they pretty much always make you do the job. Uh, so our topic today is not the infantry or the army or the navy, but it's we're you know, we're we're kind of being inspired by Black History Month because that's what February is, and this will be it filming because of a. Uh, airing because of complications on the last day of February, but it still counts, right? So, um, but we've talked about Black history. We talk about it in school, but um, but there's so much more within the history of fandom too. 
And that's important to talk about and, and recognize, right? I think it is. So, um, because you want to see who you are. And I think that's part of why this is important. What do you guys think? Abby, Charles, feel free to um, jump in. Well, for me, I, don't, I really don't feel like it should be one month just because so much of America's history is just ingrained in diversity and the lack of understanding and um, also the lack of representation, um, the lack of accountability too, you know, like I can't tell you how many um, people in black history inventors um, that have done so much and they haven't gotten any kind of recognition for it. And it's just really disconcerting, you Not know, just there's still Washington. stuff coming out. Oh no, there, there are tons. Um, and I think I got lucky because I, I learned I was in Atlanta, which mm. it has a huge, wonderful black culture aspect to it. Yes, it does. And it just yeah. permeates throughout. Mm -hmm. So there are times when I'm like, but it is all the time. But that's but then I have to remember that's because of where I am. Where you are, yeah. And that's that's a beautiful thing of where yeah, I am, but yeah. it's also a tricky thing of where so, I am. So, so I, I'll, I'll I'll hop in if you don't mind, Abby. Do you have no, anything please. else? Okay, cool. Um, I completely agree with Abby. Is that it's good that it gets a spotlight, but it shouldn't just be one month. It there needs to be less of a pardon the pun whitewashing of American history. Um, I think that there's so much. There's yeah, there's good, and then there's bad in terms of the history. But I think. There's so much in terms of black culture that has been erased or removed, you know, like for instance, um, what happened with uh, black, uh, black Wall Street in Tulsa in Greenwood. Like I didn't know about that until I saw the uh, Watchmen show. I, I didn't know that was real. I didn't know this thing. The coup d'etat, the one coup d'etat that happened in American soil in Wilmington in, eight, in the late 1800s, the end of the 1800s, the resegregation of many parts of America that happened under Woodrow Wilson. That's not talked about because people are just thinking, oh, Emancipation Proclamation. And there's like, there's a reason why we got to the civil rights era, why there needed to be civil rights, because a lot of the things that were done, a lot of the accomplishments were rolled back and that's not discussed. Or even something as simple as, I need to watch this on Netflix or wherever it is. There was apparently a black Woodstock and nobody yeah. talked about it until Questlove did a documentary about this. And it's just like, again, things that are not talked about. And, you know, I, I think that the people who complain about it being uncomfortable, I'm like, that's where growth and evolution comes from. It's meant to be uncomfortable. If things were comfortable, it would be easy to do and everyone would do anybody it. Who's, no one would have any impetus. Anybody who's done more than two hours yeah. of therapy knows that growth comes from discomfort. Yeah. It's like, why do you think when you look at a chick that's born? If it was comfortable, it would never leave that egg, but it would die. It's got to get out of that egg in order to grow, in order to become a full-grown chicken or a turkey or whatever it is. So <laughs> I think it's just like I feel that there needs to be more and there needs to be people need to get out of their feelings and deal with it. Now, it's not. this is not saying that, oh, you're wrong just because you're white. No, absolutely not. It's just like let's just talk about history in its purest, most raw form. Because it's going to be ugly. History, I mean, we're seeing history play out again, or the consequences of history play out over in Eastern Europe right now. It's like people need to know their history so that we can be, become better because of it. 
So. And it's the, the thing that amazes me because I was a history major in college and at grad school. And so I, it always amazes me how geography, like even within the United States, where you would think we're somewhat homogeneous culture, is how different our education is. Because like I grew up in Southern Virginia in the Tidewater region. Uh, Fort Monroe is just down the road for me, which was an important part in the Emancipation Proclamation. A lot of escaped slaves went to Fort Monroe. And, and that's how you have in Hampton uh, has the on Hampton University grounds, the emancipation tree that was planted by by some of the first group of freed slaves. And so we grew up just that was just part of what we learned. It was in every aspect of our education. And then you meet people that are from other parts of the of the states and you hear like, no, I wasn't taught any of that. And it just it blows my mind how much just where you're at is affecting what they're actually teaching you. And, and even, you know, you brought up a good point, and I think your dog agrees too. Um, <laughs> but I think that, um, like, even just learning, like, I think just, you know, everything going on, it just started really digging in and learning more stuff. How after the Civil War, how you have, like, certain parts of this country, the Civil War was completely romanticized and whitewashed over and called the lost cause. And you have people, influential people like the United Daughters of the Confederacy who basically said, oh no, we were fighting for states' rights, you know, states' rights to own slaves. But um, they basically made it like they were the victims and the Northern aggression, Northern aggression, they were the bad guys when they were considering somebody three-fifths of a person because of their skin color and because of what it contributed to their industry. And again, that was washed over. And so you see people wonder why racism still exists in certain parts of this country, not just pockets, certain regions of this country. It's because of that. It's because of what they're being taught. It's because of what's ingrained. Racism is not something that you're born with. It's something that you're taught. And it's unfortunate. And I, I think the, the only way that people can unlearn it or just not learn it at all is education, true education, instead of people resisting it and wanting to stay in the 1800s, in the antebellum age or the Gilded Age, you know, so I feel yeah. that. That is the danger with history. I and mean, you see it on both sides where on the one hand, yeah. America is bad, they're evil, they, you know, we should be ashamed of everything. On the other is rah, rah, we did no wrong. I kind of feel like if we're entirely brutally honest, the good, the bad, and the ugly, I believe as a proud American that we come out on top in aggregate, but you can't do that by lying to yourself about what really happened. Yeah, blind blind nationalism or blind contrarianism, both are dangerous in their own ways. Absolutely. So here's a question. How does speculative fiction kind of play a role in dealing with some of these and addressing these issues and exploring them? Do you think it has a role in that? Yes, but I, I've spoken a lot, so Abby, please go ahead. <laughs> but this is why I invited you, because I knew you would be good for this podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Have you still got Abby? Abby? Oh, I know Abby has, was having some connection. Yeah, I mean, I know for yeah. Okay, there we go. There's Abby. Mm -hmm. Are you going to say something, Abby, or am I going to answer and not be Abby? Please don't like me be Abby. I'm not very good at it. I'm not that colorful. And I say that because if you've ever met Abby in person, she takes over. She's <laughs> amazing. Thank you. <laughs> okay. <Abby. laughs> All right, well, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go. So That's the shortest answer I've ever I, heard I, from you, Abby. I think, I think with speculative fiction, there's oh, I didn't hear that. the question. I'm so sorry. Oh. <laughs> it's the, the, do you feel that diversity, speculative fiction, 
can have a role in dealing with some of these issues and what yes. that is and why. Yes. So I'll, I'll, I'll go then. I'll go. So basically I do. Yes. I, I mean, think yes. Oh, yeah. If you want to go yeah. first. <laughs> yeah, I'll go first. Yeah. So I think yes, in many ways, because with speculative fiction, um, it takes you away. And I think that what's the most important thing with speculative fiction. It's great that you can see yourself. Um, when I was growing up with speculative fiction, that wasn't really what I was thinking about. I was just like, oh, this is cool. This is something different. But it's cool when you see yourself, because I think most importantly, and this is something that's a huge fallacy in Hollywood right now, and just a lot of shows where they're kind of pushing diversity, which is good when you're doing it. But I think more importantly, do I care about this character's journey? Are they showing instead of telling me? Because I think it's so dangerous when, hey, look, look, we got diversity. Look, look. And you have a character who's a token. You have a character yeah. who is awesome, perfect, does no wrong, is always right, does not struggle, does not grow. And is kind of like, why are we here? Like, it's this the, is one of the, the it's checklist. a journey. It's a the checklist. Character. Like, it's one of the reasons why um, Men in Black International failed because his character was apparently perfect. And it's just like, okay, it's great that they're diverse, but if they're perfect, it's just like, give us somebody who's flawed. Give us somebody who's growing. Give us somebody who's going to fail. One of the reasons why, I'm going to jump off speculative fiction for a bit, but bear with me. I'll come back around. <laughs> um, one of the reasons why I think Insecure really resonated with so many people is because this was a show about Black women, young Black women, and they didn't have to be the bestest as everything. They didn't have to be perfect. They didn't have to be the star because that's the problem with a lot of diverse characters. They have to be the best in order for there to be a story about them. Whereas in Insecure, Issa, can we swear here? Yes. Okay, cool. So Issa was a huge fuck up. She was a huge fuck up. When we first <laughs> met her, she's in this terrible job in a dead end relationship with a guy who's like overly depressed and she has an affair. She makes all types of mistakes before she really gets to where she needs to go. And where she really kind of starts to really grow as a person. And I think that more of that is what we need to see. Where let's let them be human. Let's let them be fallible. Let's let them be flawed. Maybe they're not the best. Maybe they kind of suck at this point. Because that gives them so much further to grow as a character. And it's great, again, that they're diverse. But again, it's kind of like, it's almost kind of like when you, oh, we're going to get somebody who, we're going to get the first black female mayor. That's great, but if she's going to screw me just as badly as the old white guy, then it doesn't matter if she's black or a woman or not. She's um, still going to screw me just the same way. <laughs> did you ever watch Supergirl? Oh, God, that show was terrible. Yes, I did. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I agree. <laughs> yes. It, here's the thing that's sad is that. I, but, but, I no, love... but there's a line in it that I love that kind of reminds me of what you're saying, where she looks at the group and she's like, you look like a CW racially diverse cast just checking off the checklist. I'm like, did they did they say that unironically? I bet they did. Uh, <laughs> I think actually at the time one of the actors in the room had been on a CW show. Because uh, so. here's the sad thing about Supergirl is that it had so much potential. I love Melissa, Bedo Melissa Benoist, aside from the fact that she's very she's adorable and she's pretty and she has a great personality. Is that she's a great actor. I remember. The first time I saw her in anything was Whiplash. She was in the movie for five minutes and she stood out because I was like, she's great. So when she got hired, I was happy. But the movie just became the movie. The show just became this overly like virtual signaling, heavy handed. Let's do this issue. Let's do this thing. 
I'm like, so glad somebody else said it, not me, because I oh I yeah get yelled at if I say that. Oh so, please, I'll I'll take the heat. I, I'm I'm fine. I mean, I still enjoyed it, but it was became more one of those. I couldn't I watch it. The I just couple series. I thought the first season and the second season was okay, but it's just like, here's, here's one thing about it. And this is kind of what bought <laughs> Okay. I got thoughts. Okay. So, <laughs> I love this man. So basically when you think about it, like there's this person who summed up the show in so many ways where I was just like, I don't disagree with any of this. She's not even really Supergirl. She's basically Superman as a girl. Mm-hmm. Like she yeah. basically, she's working at a news reporting channel thing as a reporter, just like Clark. She has the glasses like Clark. She has a secret identity just like Clark. Um, and the sad thing is, in order to, they're so embarrassed by her as a character, they're so insecure about her that they have to make Superman look small in order to make her look big. And that yeah. that bothered me. I think that's when I that was when I really started having some serious problems with the show, where he basically was like, "No, Supergirl, you're more powerful than me. I was going full strength, and you still beat me. You're the strongest." It's like Jesus Christ, seriously. This is Superman. There would be no superheroes without Superman. That moment, I was like, "This is not a dick measuring thing." Yeah, and it's just like it, it, the thing is, I think with the show would have been better if they had just had it where it's like her journey getting out of his very gigantic shadow, which would have made sense. The, and even the if, episodes where they focused on that were some yeah. of the best. Because you can't have a Supergirl without Superman. Like Superman is going to be the main man because it's Superman, not Supergirl. Sorry, that's just the that's just a fact. And two, it's the fact that if they toyed around with, oh, I'm stronger than you, I'm stronger than you, and we never really knew, that could have been great. I understand you can't make her look too weak because it's her show, but just like, it's that much disrespect for Superman just to make Supergirl look bad, better, terrible. And then just some of the issues that they tried to do, they tried to throw in your face. Now, with any speculative fiction show, any show, I think what they used to do, particularly with old Star Trek stuff, they would present their show or themes as allegories to make people think. But I think mm-hmm. with some of these shows that are pushing a very virtual signaling agenda, they tell you what to think. And that is dangerous. And that turns people off. Because I think, as we know, the world's a dumpster fire. It's been a dumpster fire for a number of years now. People look at speculative fiction because they want to escape. They don't want to hear this stuff. They don't want it hammered in their heads. Like even just, I think there's this one thing where Supergirl was trying to get into a party that she wasn't invited to. And the bodyguard was doing his job saying like, hey, you can't get in, stood in her way. And she kept trying to go and he kind of grabbed her arm saying like, you can't go. And then she kind of uses her super strength low key on him. And he's just like, she goes like, don't put your hands on women without permission. And I'm just like, dude's doing his job. (laughs) You're the asshole who's breaking into the party. (laughs) See, I saw that and I was like, dude, she needs to be smacked around. Cause it it, it is the, the aspect of, Yes, you shouldn't do that. But when you're breaking the rules, you're breaking the rules regardless. That guy's of doing his job. Things. Yeah. 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 So yeah. I, I think just with Supergirl, just it just became just they just hammered how these agenda stuff. And it just it really took you out of the show because it's just and it was just a waste of such talent because there was such talent on that show. And they just there wasted was. it. And just yeah. So those are my thoughts on Supergirl. It's just like wasted opportunity, <laughs> wasted potential. And it just ended up being just meh towards the end. So to bring it back, although superheroes do qualify speculative fiction, to bring it back yes. more 
pointed to the, the question is the role Sorry. of fandom. <laughs> no, no, it, it's okay. It's, right. it's, it's why we love you. You're fun to talk yeah. to. That's why we call these fireside chats versus mm -hmm. like interviews or focus panels. panels. Yeah. So one of the things I learned from we, you on our on our last discussion when we were talking about Star Trek, and this was before we rebranded, was the role, for instance, with the Uhara character on Star Trek and how the actress Uhara? wanted to I'm probably pronouncing the name wrong. The Lieutenant female, Uhara. Oh, Uhura, Uhura. Uhura, yes. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes. Um, I'm not a huge Star Trek fan, if you can tell already. Or not that I. It's, it's too, one of Jair's many faults. It's too utopian in its view. Like I, I want a little more gritty. It just does. It seems to ignore human nature. But that's another discussion. Oh, we'll, 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 oh no, 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 no. We'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that because I have thoughts on that too. But go on. Okay. <laughs> I, but the role of that character. One of the things I learned from you the last time we interviewed was you mentioned that the actress wanted to quit. Yes, she felt like they weren't using her, mm -hmm. and, and mm -hmm. you tell the story beautifully. But the the I think was it you said Martin Luther King Jr. Martin so 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 I think it was some award show. It might have been the first BET award show, or maybe they they ran into each other. Like it was they ran into each I other. It was pre BET. It might have been pre BET. Is is too. Uh, it was some public recent. event. I think that was in the nineties. It, it might have been. It might have been an NAACP event. I don't know. Yeah. it was something public. It, it was. It was a. Big thing. Oh, you know about like, this? Yeah. So basically, because I know the story you're talking about. I've read yeah. the interview where she talked and, about it. It was and amazing. he basically like he basically is like forbid it, which kind of got a little awkward for like a moment. But he basically tells her, "You have opened the door. It's so much hard. Like if you leave, it'll be so much harder to reopen that door. You've just cracked it open because there was so much. I mean, she was so iconic in many ways, not just to have a black." person on tv but a black but woman a, and a female yeah the a female, female. and Ooh. also her and kirk first interracial kiss on tv boom there's that yep. too um but going back to star trek I, mm. I see what you mean but i think star trek has had so much meaningful it because i think where somebody said it best i think jj abrams said it best star trek is like mozart star wars is more kind of rock and roll and okay. there's so many different types of philosophical things that they talked about in Star Trek and some of their best episodes, whether it be the original series, whether it be TNG, whether it be Deep Space Nine. In my opinion, those were the best three series. And yeah, and like Balance of Terror, you have this chess match between Kirk and I think it was the Klingons or the it was Romulans. Yeah, it was the first wow. time the Romulans were on. And then you had even just in the movie, The Wrath of Khan. To build that tension between two people who have never met and absolutely to have it branch out from the original series, that enmity and to seeing what went wrong and how this person would blame Kirk and how Clerk, Kirk, Clerk, Kirk had to outthink his opponent. Like that's just beautiful science fiction right there. That's science fiction at its best where you combine the world building, you combine the character development. And it's just like you have these great interactions and these people have never shared a room since the original series. It wasn't even a physical conflict. It was, again, another chess match. And it really elevates both characters. It elevates the villain. That's why people still talk about that movie today because okay. of that, because of how well it was done. Now, if you talk about the crap that they're doing now, whether it be, <laughs> I call it STD and discard those pieces of crap. That's not Star Trek. It flies in the face. Apparently, Spock has an adopted sister who we've never heard of before. Who is this person? I don't think so. No, it's terrible. And she has to be the bestest at everything. She's the bestest at everything. She's a unicorn. Great. You know? Um, and then you have Discard, 
where and you have and you have one extreme when it comes to virtual signaling, and then you have the other extreme with discard, where basically they have to tear him down, tear Dim down because of his privilege, and make him look like an idiot, make him look like a doddering old fool, and it's just like. I tried to watch that show and I was like, God, this is terrible. And it's just, even just the way they did it, people are swearing, everything's gritty and dark and grim dark. Like has never been a profanity laden. No, thing. they make it like a Zack Snyder movie or a TV show. And it's just like, everything's gritty and dark. It's like the, the Federation let people down. They have this immigrant crisis. Here's the, here's the thing that made no sense with the Romulans kind of needing help. I'm just like, they're, and Star Empire, don't they have other bases where that could help this like crisis? Why does the Federation have to get involved? And they, again, they're pushing these agendas where I'm just like, again, people don't want to see that. If you want to do maybe a type of allegory that's just a more artful, nuanced way to talk about certain things, that is one thing. But to just take the sledgehammer and just shove it down people's throats, I'm like, that is not what you do with speculative fiction. It's entertaining. And when you, here's, and this is another thing too, with something like Star Wars, with something like Star Trek, when you, some hack writer, when they basically see this beloved franchise, when they don't try to expand upon it, when they don't try to make it better, when they basically use it to push an agenda, you have failed as a writer. You have failed as a storyteller. Your job as a storyteller is to tell a story, is to take people away, to bring people in, to immerse them in your story. Whether it's speculative fiction, whether it's literary fiction, whether it's romance, you bring people in. This is one of the reasons why Twilight was so successful. Say what you want about the writing, say what you want about the movies, but people were drawn in. They could imagine themselves as Bella and they were just sucked into it. Just that, that that's what speculative fiction is supposed to do. When you are taking people out of it, it's just like you failed at your job. This is one of the reasons why people hated Star Wars after a while, the new sequel trilogy, which was terrible. This is why so many people hate uh, Discard and STD because their shows are terrible. And it's just like you're taking people out of it. It's just like and even worse in these franchises, they bring back these classic characters only to tear them down and to make them look bad in order to make these new characters, these virtual signaling token characters look good. One of the reasons why Cobra Kai is so beloved because it honors the tradition. It honors the legacy while bringing these new characters in. It doesn't sacrifice these legacy characters in order to bring up and build up these new characters. It blends everything together. It gives people something to do. It makes you care about their storylines. It makes you care about their character development, everyone involved. That's what should have been done. Yeah. Tell me. It also, so there's been for years, the, you know, the strike first, strike hard, no mercy, sir. (laughs) And that uh, the uh, Karate Kid was the bad guy, and this yes. fan <laughs> meme for years. And so uh-huh. the writers of that, rather than just say, "I'm going to use this property to tell my story," they understood the story property they were going into first, and then they told the story from there. And so they mm-hmm. honored that with making for a little bit the Karate Kid actor in the first season. He was a little bit of the bad guy. He He's was kind the pushback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, but you couldn't have done that if you didn't know the audience, if you didn't know who the fans were. Exactly. And you honored so, that and then told a better story because of it. But yes. speaking of knowing the audience and also knowing the history, and I do laugh at Twilight because I remember I was in the army, I was reading Twilight and I called my mom. I think it was the first time I understood just how selfish as a teenager I probably could have been. <laughs> and I called my mother and I apologized. Oh, we see, look at um, Twilight. Look at Twilight did. But, <laughs> so I'm like, together. oh, if I was ever that bad, I am so sorry. 
And so uh, my mom goes, you weren't, but I'll take the apology because you can be really horrible sometimes. <laughs> All right. Are you enjoying this discussion? Because I know I am. But uh, we can't uh, can't let this go on forever. So we're going to pause for a moment while we shamelessly shill for the man. When the UN invaded the freehold of Grenya, the intent was simple. Force a non-compliant star nation back into the collective. The haven for every independent, rebellious, self-reliant adventurer in human space for the last 200 years. Grenya has resources beyond measure, and its inhabitants have one goal in mind. Make the invaders suffer for their presumption. This isn't just resistance, it's vengeance. Freehold, Resistance, a collection of hard-hitting tales gathered by series creator Michael Z. Williamson and BaneBooks.com. All right. Thank you for sticking with us through that commercial, commercial interlude. Wow. If I forget how to speak, I don't know what I'm going to do. I guess all of you will be happy, though. But uh, anyway, we're back from the commercial, and we'll jump back into that discussion, just like we promised. So, um, but having said that, we've talked about that. There's an important aspect of knowing the history mm. of where these IPs have come from where these authors have come from mm -hmm. and like I, I've been seeing a lot of uh, articles lately like did you know this person was and I'm like dude we had women writers in speculative fiction for decades it's not like a new thing so when we talk about speculative fiction authors who mm -hmm. are diverse who really comes to mind particularly as a black author or create uh content creator even so well, i'm going to open up the books to anything on this one mm -hmm. octavia butler is probably the first one i can think of off the top of my head well she was she, she's huge and she's amazing mm -hmm. and yeah. poor abby's must be having horrible signal because i know she is a she is the first person who told me about octavia butler and um and then and she i got an earful i didn't know if you wanted me to jump in oh no, please please please, please. Please. I was just, I was listening. <laughs> what happened to all of us the first time? Uh, well, you just I mean, um, <laughs> yeah, because I was listening to the stuff about Ahura and everything, and it was, it was crazy because, like, I remember when um, my first year at DragonCon, uh, uh, Nichelle Nichols was there, and they actually made it Nichelle Nichols Day. Like, the nice. mayor came out and was like, this day, and it was right after she had had her stroke, and she was in the parade. Um, and they were like, do you still want to do the parade? And she was like, oh, honey. Like, she still wanted to do it. And I just thought it was the cutest thing ever. And so she's at this special dinner um, that my friend Todd took me to. And I got a chance to, like, meet her and talk to her and just be like, oh, my God, you are the person that kind of influenced me, not kind of actually influenced me to want to get into acting. Thank you That's so awesome. much. And she's like, oh, honey, you know, she's just being like the sweetest thing. And obviously I started crying and snot was coming out of my nose and everything. So that was interesting <laughs> having dinner that way. But um, she's just one of the most influential and still continues to be one of the most influential people, um, especially with what she did with Star Trek. Because you know she was going to yeah. leave. Yeah. Um, she literally was going to leave Star Trek until um, I think she talked to Dr. Martin Luther King. Yeah, and he was like, "You, you, you should you. I watched that show because you." And she's like, "He oh, forbid it. He forbid it. Now. He forbid it. He forbid her to leave." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, and also his. I think yeah. His kids I was just like, I was like, like yeah. wow, that's such a crazy story. Yeah, I think it's awesome. 
Uh, yeah, I, but yeah. So Octavia Butler is from Washington State. Um, she mm. passed away in 2008, and um, I fell in love with her back in I want to say like 2010, sometime. Mm. Um, you know, I my first book that I read was Wild Seed, um, and then I got to read Kindred, which has everything to do with what happened in our past history on a speculative fiction twist. Um, and to read a book like that, um, you know, because I was like, well, see, okay, you know, I was just like, ah, oh, why? She's supposed to be about strong women. So why the hell is this character a strong woman? But yet there's this entity that's male conforming and keeps beating her down and making her succumb to his whims and everything. I didn't really like that. But then Kindred came out and I was like, oh my God, I didn't know how to feel because, because it really makes you think, what if you were, you know, a black person of, of now and you were sent back to the 40s or the 30s or the Ugh, 20s God. and you were a so, slave? Like, how would you, how would you interact? Like, how would you I, be? And, and you know, the um, thing is, Abby, I don't know thing, how I would be. if. And, uh, and, 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 and I don't know how it was for you, Abby, like for, for me growing up, like. I didn't fit in with a lot of black kids. You know, I didn't, I, I was different from a lot of black kids because yeah. I didn't have that. I didn't yeah. have that. I didn't have that shared kind of almost that generational trauma growing up when I, when I was coming in. So it was like, there's a lot of things where I didn't understand and I had to learn later as I was growing so, up. This is just an interesting little bit of trivia because I remember I watched Reading Rainbow. Yeah, Rainbow and, and I, I actually grew up in England. <laughs> so oh. so my, my change in the way that you're treated in one country <laughs> compared to coming to another country and, um, you know, people treating you differently if you sound different. Oh, like, yeah. I can't tell you how many times I would turn on my English accent and people mm -hmm. were like, oh, my God, tea and crumpets. Oh, this is great. But it's then, like they prod you, you know, like a I, seal. Ooh, do it, do it. I, I will admit, <laughs> we've talked some right? about that. Yes. Yeah. It's like, oh, can you read me? Like, I've literally, multi I've had people multiple times tell me to read them bedtime stories. Multiple times. So, I actually. <laughs> and am I'm just like. I, I'm guilty what? of that. I, I had a guy from uh, Boston, um, and we used to make I him say. I can tell you how many voiceover gigs I had where that happened too. Um, so, so yeah, and like actually being called the N word for the first time here too. You know that was that was really telling because um, it didn't happen until a certain president sense. got elected um, oh, recently, uh, mm. before recently. And um, it was really telling, especially like getting out of the military and and you know being in a space where it's supposed to be my my community, um, and being treated as I was like an outsider or a foreigner or something like that. So um, yeah. yeah, it was it was it was really something, and it kind of paved the way in me wanting to write stories that people could relate to. Um, and then eventually figure out ways to combat any of their own demons that they were dealing with. So nice, nice. You mentioned, that's my uh, love of Octavia Butler. Cause Oh my God, she's amazing. <laughs> um, so you but, but yeah, I mean, 
Seska knows that I love her. I mean, if she was still alive, I'd probably stop be stalking her right now. Um, you might have a problem. It would be entirely so, respectfully done, but uh, yeah, you might you might be like don't. Let me. So you actually <laughs> reminded me, Abby, when you mentioned that the uh, the book by Octavia Butler that questioned what would be a modern person experience if they got sucked back in the past. They, I don't know if you got when you were in England or where you know where everyone was raised. If you watched Reading Rainbow uh, as a kid, but they actually had an episode. It was called Follow the Drinking Gourd. I still know the name of that episode, like twenty years later or however long. <clears throat> Um, where that actually happened, where this kid was basically questioning his mom, why I need to learn this stuff. That happened to old dead people. Like, I'm not experiencing that now. And then at, at a certain point in the story, he gets sucked back into the uh, pre-antebellum South, and he experiences what that would be like. And that actually was a, was a very emotional episode for everyone, because it wasn't just about, okay, well, obviously it sucks to be a slave, but it was more about how much have we have changed, but but also by showing how far we've come, you could see how far we have left to go. And it was sort of artfully done. So if you haven't actually seen that episode, I, I still think it holds up. And there's actually a movie um, called Antebellum. I have yeah, that I'll, Monet, I'll definitely check that out. Where I think that's kind of what happened. I don't know, like there was a twist there, but I think that's kind of what it was where this woman was kind of drawn back into the 1800s where you know, people were still slaves and um, it was kind of like a horror movie, which, you know, technically would be. Um, yeah, but I feel, I feel with me when it came to my writing, when it came to kind of the characters I started writing, I remember when I first started writing Star Brigade, that was the first series I, I did. And yeah, like I'd say the main character was very kind of plain bred, white, kind of like, because when you think about it, when you are writing a character and unless they have a type of, you know, different or foreign name, Western media, we're trained to kind of see exactly their, we trained to see them as white, basically. So, um, and so did I, that's kind of how I saw it. And then I think as I was developing the character and I thought to myself, you know what, I've seen this guy like a hundred million times, you know, I need to do something different. So some of the inspirations for the lead character in Star Brigade were, um, Benjamin Sisko from Deep Space Nine, um, especially the he's, fact he's like- the his, best captain ever? Yes, and especially the fact that he was a widower and he was a single father. And a lot of times in space opera, military sci-fi, many times the lead character, if they've no. suffered a tragedy, they're at the ass end of the galaxy, drinking away their sorrows, abandoning all things, and they have to be brought back. But I'm just like- characters who are lived, that's the other yeah. thing. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you look at Picard and he, like, he never really had a life and lived. No, he didn't. His, his, life. Life was, and, his life was Star Trek. And Janeway and stuff, and not everybody is as very good job. The, I, I, I've always loved Cisco, but as this, as I have progressed and matured, I've loved him even more because mm -hmm. I'm a single parent and I'm like, look, that is mm -hmm. real reality. Yes. Well, it's, it's more than that because you know, whatever the racial issues aside, he was an example in modern TV where they showed a strong father character that yes. wasn't the butt of the jokes. He exactly. wasn't just looking at this bumbling buffoon who doesn't know how to parent his child. He was just a dad and it wasn't like it was. He wasn't movie. Frank from Shameless. Exactly. And I hate that show because of that. But anyway, that's another story. Um, I like that in Family Matters a lot. I thought they did yes. with that one too. But it's just like, I think having this character be a widower and still being a strong father, still trying to be the best man he could be, not just to Star Trek, but also to his son 
And that was a huge inspiration for the lead character in Star Brigade. Also a big inspiration was Bishop. Because in my mind, when I read Bishop in the comic books, Bishop from X-Men, I always heard Michael Dorn's voice when I, when I when he spoke. I was like, that just makes sense to me. It's perfect. That, that is a good voice to be hearing. Yeah, because it's like he's just very kind of almost, I wouldn't say stick in the mud, but he's just very kind of strict, rigid soldier. And I just heard Michael Dorn as Worf <laughs> whenever he said anything, <laughs> you know, or as Thalog, if we're going to go a little deeper into some geekery. Um, but, and so that that was a key thing. And then when I also did Pantheon, the Pantheon saga, I also wanted to make something different. So instead of just having another black lead, I was like, why don't we have like an Asian or Pacific Islander lead? That's something you don't see too often when it comes to superheroes. So that was kind of the direction I wanted to go. And then also the female lead, one of the female, one of the other leads, a female lead, she's a reporter, she's a black reporter. So I wanted to say, you know, she's not a super genius. She doesn't have superpowers. She's not like a martial artist. She's not a vigilante. Like she's just somebody who's trying to do the right thing and get to the truth. And she's a superhero in her own way with even despite not having all those physical gifts that a lot of people have. And I always find that more interesting because she ended up being, while some of the other, the two other main characters are still kind of the beginning of their journeys. She was actually our entryway into the superhero world more so than they were. They were still at the outskirts in the very beginning of the story. She really was our avenue that we dove into everything and found out more. And I always found that deep dive fascinating, seeing it from a normal person's POV and how fantastical that world would be for them. I'm so. surprised you, you picked the actor that played Worf as your straight man voiceover. I would have picked Christopher <laughs> Judge. Uh, Judge. Judge, he was Teal'c in uh, Stargate. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just... I think well, well if, maybe the timing of it though. Well, it was the timing because this was okay. before I even watched. This is before I started watching Stargate because okay. I actually didn't like Stargate. I didn't like Stargate at first because they're just always in Canadian forests and people just, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the aliens didn't look like aliens. They're just humans. I'm like this sucks. Um, so and also just Michael Dorn. It's just like he just has such I mean, a great voice. You can just stop with it's Michael Dorn and yeah, we understand. And, yeah, I understand. And actually, yeah, and I can hear him saying indeed in my head, indeed. Like that's Bishop. So I was very disappointed in X-Men the animated series when Bishop came on board. And I'm like, who's this guy? This guy sucks. It's not Bishop. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Okay, we we're not gonna bit. talk about X-Men the animated series because I what? loved X-Men the animated series. No, I liked I liked it. I like I liked it. Storm At least the first had a proper accent. Yes. Well, here's the thing. I liked the show, at least the first couple seasons. I just didn't like Bishop. That's the thing. Let me just correct that. <laughs> so we've talked a little oh, bit about Oh, yeah. I don't know what Bishop was supposed to do. <laughs> like it's, I really was really cool. confused about his character. <laughs> yeah. So, so so we've talked a little bit about from the but writing But yeah, side. Storm, obviously, was always my, like... Your bae? Peace <laughs> de resistance. The best yeah. part of that animated series always watched it because of her and honestly the crazy thing is it, it was it was so weird seeing a character of color when i was a kid uh it yeah. was just it was like this is cool i want to do more stuff like this <laughs> but then i got into animation and i hated it and i was like you know what i'd rather do more voice stuff <laughs> for animation than actually drawing the characters myself 
sell. <laughs> and then I got into voiceover. And here we are now. <laughs> nice. So the you, we mentioned a little bit on how the writing side, not just our own writing, but just in general, can affect the way uh, we engage with characters when we're trying to deal with diversity, the good, the bad, the ugly from of the tokenism as, as Charles uh was very eloquently talking about, but do you think your experience from the consumer side was different um, as as a African American person um, engaging with content and engaging with the fandom? Because I know Doc gets all squeaky about the fandom; she loves it. <laughs> um, I think you know, um, fandom, is the, uh, fandom is the only group of people yeah. I have. <laughs> well, actually, Abby, Abby, you go. I've talked a lot, so Abby, you can go ahead. Sure. Um, so, so when we're when we're looking at stuff, right? And and I'm literally talking like the past three years, three four years. Um, inclusive inclusivity was never really a thing until honestly until right before BLM happened, and then it like exploded when BLM happened. And it is it was so sad that that was the case because I can't tell you how many times people were offering me um, uh, you know, uh, writing jobs and all of that. And I was like, I'm only taking, I'm only gonna take this job if it's from a place of you honestly wanting to be diverse and not trying to tick a box, right? Um, as, as someone who, views a lot of content um, because I, I do get into critiquing movies and television shows every once in a while. Um, it was really hard watching things, especially the stereotypical stuff, you know, where, oh, if you, you're from New York or from the Bronx, then, you know, your pants always hung low and, and most black people were in jail and, you know, all of this yeah. other stuff. And it was just, it was so frustrating as a person of color, um, realizing that this is literally the reason how the world saw us because yes. of what they saw on television. Mm -hmm. You know, people had their opinions on, on, on the way we were as human beings because of the American television that they saw. Yes. Because all of those prejudices came from American television. Yes, and movies. You know, most of the characters that I saw in the UK, um, there. <laughs> first of all, Baby Daddy, um, Idris Elba, like around forever, right? But I had seen him in so much stuff as a principal character mm -hmm. in the UK before he broke out into into America. Um, and then as a drug dealer, as a drug dealer, I don't know. Like, yeah. I remember him for, okay, the yes. biggest thing I remember him from is Pacific like, Rim, but um, well, I've never so, been so, so, watching so his so his, so his breakout role in the states, at least his first major role, was as Stringer Bell, a drug dealer with a heart and a mind in The Wire. Yeah, um, yep. See, if you had asked me what his breakout role would have been, I would have told you Pacific Rim. I am that big of a geek. Not even The Office? No, I've never watched it. Oh, no. Oh, no. It wasn't Pacific Rim. <laughs> <laughs> no, Abby yeah. knows me. She goes to Chenna so, and says, because so, never watched The Office. So, yeah. Never watched I, mean, Wired. I think, I, 
<laughs> I think as an American culture, we need to be more cognizant of, of how we're presenting information and absolutely make sure that we're more diverse when it comes to our stories because and breaking the we stereotypes. are representative of mm-hmm. so many people, so many yes. cultures, so many mixtures of races. You know, so um, having the same one being shown on television or anywhere, you know, it, movies, it, it, yeah. anything like that. Like, I can't tell you how how much more I was allowed to get away with stuff from my production company when Black Panther came out. I was like, yeah. how about we make a Nigerian story? Oh, I don't know. Yes. It cost too much money. Nollywood. And then and Black Panther came out, and I was like, how about we make a Nigerian story? And they were like, what? Sure. Yeah, we should do it. I was like, you know, Wakanda's actually in Nigeria, right? <laughs> <laughs> Just because. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and if it isn't, it is now. Yeah, it is now. So, yeah, it's, it's just one of those things that, I recently read <laughs> we an need interview. To make sure that as consumers, we are 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 bringing more life to those diverse shows and talking mm. about them, promoting them as much as possible, and, and showing these to people some of the regular everyday stuff that we see, and showing the people of color as people, not just stereotypes. Like she she hit the nail on the head. Is that mm-hmm. so often you see, like particularly Absolutely. when it comes to black when it comes to black people, you see like people like a lot of the stories that you used to see before is you'd see these yo homie gangster movies or these hip hop stories, or you'd see slavery porn. And yeah, people would be like, and it's in in the weird, here's the crazy inverse way is that you'd show those stories yet when it comes to the influence of African-Americans on pop culture across the world, when it comes to music, when it comes to just fashion, when it comes to so many things, there's such a huge influence yet Still, people, when they see the image of us on TV or in the news or in the movies, they pity us, but they don't, there's no aspiration to be like us in, unless it's cultural appropriation, you know? And um, I just really, I completely agree with Abby. I think, I, <laughs> I think what she's saying is absolutely correct. And so, I think that it's, it's so important that, you know, and I, I, I initially I kind of didn't want to have that responsibility, but as I grew up, I'm like, no, I do have a responsibility. If I'm going to present a person of color in my story, I'm not going to hit you over the head like, oh yeah, this is a person of color. Yes, you know, I'll show you it's a person of color, and I'll make sure that some of the culture of that character, especially if they're a first generation American, is obvious in many ways in how they live their life, one of the things they're doing. But it's more important to show them as a character and not a caricature and not in just a stereotype. So well, can I, I, I'd love to hear your opinion on this because I watched Black Lightning, yeah. which was a, yeah. Gosh, I want to say something. <laughs> I think I just got told. Charles. I will I mute told. you. The doc is spoken. Well, I was going to say, I read an interesting article and actually it's part of why I picked up the movie Eternals to watch it from mm-hmm. the, gentleman who plays um the indian actor and i mm-hmm. and he plays an indian character as well and mm-hmm. i cannot remember his name right now and i'm horrible Kingo. Kingo. yes and but he he actually he wasn't told he had to lose weight and get ripped for the movie and he literally goes yeah i do actually because i'm breaking the mold i'm breaking the stereotype because this movie is going to be seen by so many people across the world mm-hmm. And we deserve to have somebody who's not the fat Indian. 
And that's actually like what he said in the interview, I think exactly. But I actually picked it up because I was, I don't watch a lot of movies. Like Abby mm-hmm. loves to make pop culture references and you're making pop culture references. And I'm like, oh, oh, I grew up, uh, it's probably because I grew up overseas, but then also I grew up very so much immersed into speculative fiction and disability culture that I missed a lot of other things. Mm-hmm. So you're more like you're more like Drax. You're too quick. It, you grab it before it goes over your head. Sometimes. <laughs> no worries. No worries. I think that um, going to Eternals real quick, I have some thoughts on that. Um, <laughs> I thought that it's great that you had the diversity, but I thought that it was at the expense of a good story. I think the smartest thing they should have done for the Eternals was just completely take the Neil Gaiman story and use that. It would have had a great explanation as to why they were absent during the Infinity Saga, where they were. And at the same time, you wouldn't have had a th- you wouldn't have thrown away such a great character and possible antagonist, depending on what side he's on, in Tiamat. I thought that it was just like the story is just it was long, it was plotting. And it ended up not making sense oh, because it's just I like... I folded laundry and clean, so I didn't notice how long it was. Yeah, and just like, I think that just even how they had, um, just how they presented certain characters, like Cersei was not, was too passive in many ways. She felt at times like a, like a, a passenger in her own story. And it's just like, I think they also kind of really kind of whitewashed the character of Cersei too much in the sense that she's very messy. She's a very messy character. And that's a good thing. That's awesome. That's interesting. And we didn't see any of that in the character. It's just like, why aren't we seeing that? I know that Marvel has to be a little more PG, but it's just like, come on. Let's show that she's kind of a bit of a socialite. She's a bit of a flake. She kind of, you know, she sometimes, you know, she has her partners and that's fine. But it's just like, it makes her interesting. It makes her a character. And maybe you see her kind of, okay, I'm remembering my past. I'm taking responsibility. I'm claiming my birthright. That could have been so much cooler than what we got. And it's sad because Gemma Chan, I like Gemma Chan, but they didn't oh, do enough. She's an amazing actress. Yeah. So. I haven't seen her in much, but that's not unusual either, but everything I've seen her in, she's great. Yeah. So I watch like five movies in a year. <laughs> so when you talk about, you know, one of the things you said is when you, to avoid like the tokenism, which is what you, you mentioned in the beginning, is to make mm-hmm. interesting characters that don't feel you have to denigrate someone else to show. I kind of felt like we saw that with the Netflix show Black Lightning. And I'm curious, since you are the superhero guru among us, you and Abby, because that certainly isn't me, if you felt the same way. I mean, I just watched it because it was eye candy to watch all the explosions and the flashy karate and stuff. Mm-hmm. No, it's eye I candy. Thought, He's hot. I actually, I actually I at that kind of eye candy doc. So you're <laughs> welcome to. You're welcome. So, um, so I'll tell you this. Um, I liked Black Lightning, what I saw of it. I actually stopped watching around season two. Um, part of the reason that I stopped watching is because I hated the oldest daughter. <gasps> I hated her with a passion because it was just, the reason I hated her was yeah. because she was so <laughs> obnoxious and she always oh went rogue and she was always whining. Yeah. She thought she knew better than her dad, who's been a superhero for like mm-hmm. two decades. And she thought she knew better than him. And yeah. she always knew this stuff. And there was never any consequences for what she did. And I'm just like, I'm over this. I watched this it because I liked him. He was a good character. Oh, yeah. Jefferson, the, the, the actor's great. Yeah. I, I tolerated her because I liked him so much. She, I couldn't surmount her. Sorry. Fair, fair. <laughs> it's just too much. Yeah. Abby has yeah, thoughts, Abby. though. 
You know, the episode of that show that got me the most, um, I want to say it was season four, and it was um, just when um, things were getting really bad in Freeland, Mm -hmm. and um, you see Jefferson as a principal, and there's police officers all over the school, Mm -hmm. and um, they start beating him, and it was kind of... um, a tribute to what happened with Rodney King, right? And I was just so appreciative that there was a show that was willing to take those steps um, and actually do that, show that, show a beloved character um, literally being beaten on television, um, you know, by... Uh, yeah, by a bunch of police officers. So um, I, I was absolutely appreciative of that show. I, I love what they tried to do. Charles, yes, 100%. But about the do- I think about I only tolerated her because I had a teenager. Mm. I literally have a teen. Well, not anymore. He's 20 now. But um, you just I, barely I, missed it. Yeah. Well, Abby, you know, Abby, Abby um, I have a feeling we've met before. I, I had to look. <laughs> We've met before. We met, in, we met in Vegas. Most probably. We met probably. in Vegas because I remember. I remember you telling me this. Like we've met maybe. before. Maybe. Yeah, I forgot who it was from. It was maybe through Inez or someone else, or maybe it might have been Jeff Haskell. I'm not sure, but I I, I have a feeling we've met before. So yeah, and I, and I've been to Vegas. I'm actually going to Vegas for three months for another film too. Actually, really. But um, I live here. But now. um, yeah, I was up. just I was really pre- yeah. <laughs> I was really appreciative of of seeing content like that because there are a lot of of programs that won't take that extra step. No. You know, they won't go that extra mile when it comes to their writing. And so um I, I definitely was sad that when Black when uh, Black Lightning got canceled. Um Did but I'm agree? definitely glad that the program was made because it paves a way for other shows like that to happen. So, Abby, yeah. did you agree that they did it without being preachy? Because that's one of the reasons I liked it. It didn't feel like I was going to church and getting preached at. It was just a good show. Uh-oh. Did we break her brain? No, you didn't break her brain. You might have broken her bandwidth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. She's back. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I, I, definitely, I definitely loved the fact that they weren't super political or preachy or anything. It was literally characters dealing with everyday life of what it meant to be black in society, period. Well, and let's not forget the one that paved the road for all the superhero movies. Blade. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Blade, like a lot of people, Blade is such a forgotten, it's such a forgotten It's not. It's not for me. I will never forget Blade. Yeah, because I, I remember I, 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 watching it and liking it. It's so. I remember nice. seeing it in the theater. I saw it in the theater. I remember like going and seeing it in theater. I'm like, this is really fun. This is great. You know, Wesley Snipes was a perfect character for that, and especially even seeing the second movie because that was like 2000, I think, and it was fun. It was great, and just like, yeah, it was. I, I, I'm, I, I, I it, there wouldn't have been as I don't think you would have gotten to X Men. It kind of led the path to X Men, which led to the first, you know, the Raimi Spider Man movies. Well, so. I mean, there's an entire area like we wouldn't have had the Marvel movies probably, and if we did, they wouldn't have been what they were. 
No. Sure. And, and also, yeah. you know, Blade 2 had a great soundtrack. I loved it. It was this mix of like house music and electronic music and rap. It was great. I'll have to check it yeah. out. I actually liked him better uh, when he was the bad guy in uh, Demolition Man. Yes. <laughs> I was like, I like this guy. I'd drink a beer with him. I'd watch my back, but I'd drink a beer with him. Yes. Demolition Man. That was He was great in that film. That's right. <laughs> I feel like if anybody could figure out those three damn seashells, it's going to be him. I know. <laughs> the seashells. JR is obsessed with the seashells. I want to know how it was. I'm just, my mind is broken. All right. And that was honestly the first movie I saw Sandra Bullock in. Was it? Okay. Yes, it was. It was before like, before Speed for me. I've never even seen Speed, so it must be the first one. The yeah. first one, Speed was. I said I miss a lot of pop culture. The the follow-on sequels to Speed were kind of derivative, and it got like really already. All right, come on. You the know, entire origin story of Speed was kind of derivative. I've never watched the first one just because what? I've seen bits and pieces. Here's the thing: this was before Keanu Reeves was a gem and just a treasure to humanity. This was just when he was a bad actor with a pretty face. That's okay. what he was at that point. <laughs> I couldn't watch him in films. Like I almost didn't watch the first Matrix because he was in it. But luckily, that my was the first time I watched anything with him in it. Yeah. But once again, I watched like five movies in a year. <laughs> All right. So uh, Abby has to get going because she had previous engagements. But we appreciate you joining us, and we definitely will have you back, uh, and also to talk about your own properties. Um, so thank you for stopping by, Abby. Thank you, Abby. Um, Look me up when you're in Vegas. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no worries. No, thank you for yeah, joining um, us. So I should be in Vegas between... No, oh, no, no. Yeah. Don't um, put your travel plans on air, lady. We'll, we'll, I'll, I'll make sure you guys find each other. We'll, face, we'll Facebook each other. We'll probably. I know how to do this. Yes. Please. Yeah, just okay. put us in a, a Facebook group together or something like that, too. I got your back, battle. All right. You go Bye. Thank thing. you, guys. Bye. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That was interesting. But I knew that the discussion with you, Charles, would be based on our last experience. So yeah. <laughs> you're like the, the, the font of all lore, all things like nerding. Well, How do you keep all that straight in your head? I don't know. I, I'm on the sign Googling things trying to keep up with you. I just I have a really good memory when it comes to I have an episodic memory when it comes to pop culture and just some of that stuff in the 90s. Because the thing is, I, I really feel sorry for kids who are like getting into this type of stuff now because the three of us had it so good when we were growing up because you had so many of these original franchises that were just trying to tell stories that were coming to their own because we had Star Star Wars, we had Star Trek, we had Firefly, we had Battlestar Galactica, we had um, Babylon 5, we had Firefly, we had Doctor Who when it came back, I think with Chris Eskelton. Um, we had all this original stuff where it just didn't feel derivative. It just didn't feel like they were trying to just push an agenda. They were trying to tell good well, stories. And the thing know? is, it's also, they weren't trying to one up each other. Does that make sense? Yes, yes, yes. So, and, the sad, and the sad thing about it is that a lot of this, you know, some of this virtual signaling diversity bingo cards that these people are doing, um, they're not even really, do, they're, it's like they're doing it for an audience that doesn't exist. And they're also doing it because they want the applause at these parties, these little Hollywood parties where it's just like, oh, I saw that thing you did. That was so awesome. They want the pat on the back. They want the applause amongst their little peers in their bubble. And it's just like, all you have to do is just tell a good story. I think when you look at Spider-Man uh, No Way Home, look at that movie. 
That is what happens when you tell a good story. People will come, pandemic be damned. They will be there, they will show up. And that's what happened. And it did it with, you know, plain bread, white Peter Parker. <laughs> so, you know, people want these characters to do well. This is why. And, but also, season... it goes oh, back go to one of the big things that they did in No Way Home to avoid spoilers is the people who were writing it really understood and respected the canon of Peter yes. Parker in all yes. the different ones because mm -hmm. they understand that Peter Parker is not the only Spider-Man. But he's the he's most the, beloved. He's the OG. He is the OG. But, you know, I really love the animated one. And mm. my child loves the animated one. I think maybe more than the Peter Parker. <laughs> so, you know, but it was not just they weren't trying to one-up each other they were going this is a good story we're going to tell a story put story focus but also didn't try to rewrite or make original and they said hey look mm. let's incorporate some things nods to all the spider-mans yes so yes. so the other cool thing that kids of our generation had is if you remember michael winslow who played uh cadet jones in the police academy movies who did all the voices we got to oh yes yes and yes kids these days oh will never god. know with everything is cgi and he did it all with his voice oh my god that's right i remember the police academy was such a great series it was such yeah. a great franchise yeah. yeah wow yeah i wonder why that guy acting still because man his voice he did all of that he was amazing even when he did the cyborg thing, I remember he did the cyborg thing. I think that might have been the fourth movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we got all the cool stuff, and the rest of it can just suck it. Yeah, it's kind of it's almost kind of like music now. Like when you go, even just like when you're looking at, uh, say, the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl halftime show, they had to go to the hip hop Avengers because music nowadays <laughs> sucks so bad. That's kind of what happened. <laughs> I mean, because think about it, it's like the, everything was coming up '90s because it's just like. Look at the music nowadays. Ugh, it's terrible. It's auto-tune. It's also generic and derivative. Ugh, yeah, no. and they're literally pulling from older songs to make the new ones. And even now, it's like, you know, and I'll just real quick about music. Even with streaming, old music is beating the crap out of new music when it comes to what people want to listen to. That's so, what they want to listen to. Because oh my goodness. I love Guru Sir Mix-a-Lot who taught us how to, how to find women. This is true, yes. <laughs> Sir mix a lot. Yeah, you're still blood. single, Jr. Oh, that was a low blow. Uh, you're fired. I'm gonna dock your pay. You know what? You're getting half pay today. All right. So before we wrap this up, uh, and we didn't get a chance to do this with Abby because her her Wi-Fi plan was was going out on her, and she had to bounce. Uh, what are you working on now? That uh, and then we can get uh, tell the listeners how they can find you. So uh, what I'm working on now, I just released actually the book seven in my Pantheon Saga series. Uh, it came out yesterday. And I'm working on just maybe a couple little novellas. And I'm also working on, I'm starting to work on book eight. I'm starting to kind of get that kind of planned and ready to write. Um, I'm also probably planning some spinoffs of the Pantheon Saga series uh, that will veer into another genre as well. Because I dabbled in another genre in some of the novellas and it was super fun and it was well received. So I'm just like, oh, maybe I'll make a series in this regard. So um, yeah, that's kind of what I'm working on right now. Okay, and how can listeners find you? And obviously, we'll link all of this in the show notes. <laughs> so they can find me on Facebook under C-C-E-K-E-K-E. -E -E. You can also find me at C-C-E-K-E-K-E.com. -E -E 
You can find me on Instagram at C-C-E-K-E-K-E. -E -E, and on Twitter, I don't really use Twitter that much, but I got it so no one else would. C-C-E-K-E-K-E. Uh, -E -E -E. All right. And uh, because this is the Blasters and Blaze podcast, we will remind you, dear listener, that when you buy and consume content, read the books and such, please leave a review. Please be kind and speak your mind on the reviewing platforms. Your reviews help the right readers find the right books. And sometimes even negative reviews will sell it for you. So, all right. Uh, we'll link all that in the show notes. And you can find us on Twitter at SF underscore fantasy underscore show. Sierra Foxtrot underscore fantasy underscore show. You can email the show at blastersandbladespodcast at gmail.com. Blastersandbladespodcast at gmail.com. You can join us on Facebook where all the shenanigans happen at facebook.com backslash groups backslash blastersandbladespodcast. Again, backslash groups backslash blastersandbladespodcast. You can find our website at anchor.fm backslash blasters tech and tech blades. Again, anchor.fm backslash blasters tech and tech blades, where you can also support the show for as little as 99 cents a month and help keep the lights on. Or you can support the show over at buymeacoffee.com backslash author J.R. Hanley. One more time for the people in the back, buymeacoffee.com backslash author J.R. Hanley. Be sure to put in the comment section that it's for the podcast. And I promise I will keep my co-hosts, Doc Seska and Nick Garber, duly intoxicated. They will drink until their liver surrenders. Never surrender. All Never. right, Doc. Bring, oh, hold on. Before we let you go, we have a new thing. We have to know whether you pass the test. Pineapple on pizza, yay or nay? He passes the nay. test. Nay. Oh, right, you really does pass the test in JR's book then. Yes, that's the right <laughs> answer. Every other answer is heresy. Bring us home, Doc. Okay, thank you for joining us and spending some of your precious time with us. Um, we'll be back next week on behalf of JR and the ever overworked Nick. Uh, he's better be raking me a comic already. Uh, I'm Seska. This was the Blasters and Blaze podcast. Next week, we'll be talking cheesy jokes, picking on JR, and of course, all things that go boom. <laughs>